Welcome to Calvary Chapel Elizabeth City's online sermon series. Join us this week for a special message from Love Life Adoption Week with Pastor John King and Mr. Gregory Stevens. I want to thank you. It's, it's great to be loved. For those do that. So, that sticky note that Dylan so kindly removed from my foot, I appreciate that. It's better than other types of paper that can get caught on a person's foot, if you know what I mean. What's the matter? Oh, I'm sorry, I made your mind go there. No. Um, well, good morning, folks. Again, thank you for coming out and uh, braving the weather, braving whatever else the world has to try and stop you from coming out. We certainly enjoy our time together and our fellowship. And, you know, you guys know it over the past several weeks, we've been uh, speaking about our upcoming Adoption Week with Love Life. Well, today we're going to kick off that week with a message about one of the most important social and spiritual issues of our day. That is the subject of abortion in America. Now, in our society, this is often played out as a battle between pro-choice and pro-life. And it has been at various times front and center in our national politics, as it is right now. Most recently, the Supreme Court of the United States decided not to hear a case in Texas that stems from a bill known as the Texas Heartbeat Act. In doing so, the High Court let stand a law in Texas, which was effective on September 1st, that places legal liability on anyone who performs an abortion after six weeks. The result is a near total ban on abortions in Texas. Yeah. Yeah, amen. The bill allows private citizens to bring lawsuits against the abortion providers, not from the state and not against the mothers themselves. The response from the pro-choice side has been swift and deadly. Aside from all the political rhetoric and maneuvering, it was reported that one abortion center worked overtime to perform over 70 abortions in the last hours before uh, the, the bill came into effect. Yet, as of last Wednesday, you know, this stuff is very fluid right now. It's been in and out of the courts. Last Wednesday, a federal district judge in Texas issued a preliminary injunction against the act, basically stopping the act that had been put in law. The state of Texas immediately appealed it, and it went to the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. And on Friday night, the latest that I know, because it's changing, this Fifth Circuit Court temporarily reinstated the law on Friday evening. A lot of abortion providers are just kind of sitting out, waiting to see what's going to happen, because they know it's probably going to go to the Supreme Court. And then some have uh, you know, proclaimed quite boldly that they're back in business. Folks, the depth of the cultural divide is so deep. You guys know all this. But in 2019, there was a Senate bill known as the Women's Health Protection Act. It was introduced, and what this bill would do is it would federalize legal abortion in all 50 states. It would remove all or most of the, what they call gestational restrictions. In other words, not, uh, not allowed after six weeks or not allowed after whatever, 20 weeks. It would remove all that. And if passed, this bill would prohibit any state from passing laws that conflict with the provision of the act that they're putting forth. On Sept September 24th, a House version of the bill was passed by a vote of 218 to 211. So now it has to go through the, the legislative process. Um, I'm, I'm told that it's probably not going to make it through the Senate. Praise God, we need to be praying about that. A lot of the stuff that I bring up to you today, this is not obviously normal, what we normally do on a Sunday. This is a special day to be made aware of and to be encouraged and exhorted by Greg when he comes of our role and our participation in this um, terrible situation. So when the question comes up once, uh, you know, today, <clears throat> oftentimes I've heard, when we look at the world around us, we say, what can the church do about it? What can the church do about it? Now, before we try to answer that question, we're going to take a look at what the Bible has to say about the matter. But before, before we do that, let's bow our heads in prayer. Heavenly Father, once again, we thank you for uh, having the freedom to be here together as an assembly of believers and to bring forth this issue to our minds. You're fully aware of it, Lord, 
and we know that you detest it. And so, Lord, we just want to come in agreement with you, and we want to seek your face and seek your wisdom, how you would use the church, the local churches, to stand up against this um, terrible situation that's been going on for far too long. And so, Lord, we just ask that you would, again, more than ever in this world, we realize that we need wisdom. We need wisdom, you know, uh, almost as much as we need to have you, Lord Jesus, as our Lord and Savior. We need wisdom and guidance. So, Lord, let us clearly hear from your word today. Speak to our hearts. Move our hands and feet in the direction that you would have us go. We pray this all in Jesus' precious name. And all God's people said, Amen. So the Bible calls God's people and society's leaders to do several things. Among them, speak up and defend and rescue those who cannot protect themselves. Proverbs 31, verses 8 and 9 says, Open your mouth for the speechless in the cause of all who are appointed to die. Open your mouth and judge righteously and plead the cause of the poor and needy. In a free society like ours, everyone can vote. And so everyone who can vote is, in a sense, in a leadership role. This is not just society's leaders or church leaders. This is everybody who is, participates in our society because we live in a free society. Unfortunately, the reason why abortion remains legal is because, by a slim margin, most people want it that way. Most people want it that way. Or perhaps they don't think there's anything you can do about it. When the question gets asked by, say, for instance, Pew Research, the question is, should abortion be legal in all or most cases or illegal in all or most cases? What do you think the consensus is among U.S. adults? Well, I'm here to tell you it's about the same as it's been since 1995. Approximately six out of ten Americans who are surveyed would say that abortion should be legal in all or most cases. And then you kind of go, okay, what about consensus by age group? Because I know that maybe older folks are more um, conservative. And if you look at the consensus by age group, you'll see that in the age group of 18 to 29, you have up to 67% would say abortion should be legal in all or most cases. Above the age of 55, it goes down to about 55%. So you look at society, you see what's happening in society, and we understand why it's been legal for so long, and there's a lot of other reasons, I'm sure. Now you ask the question, what is the consensus in America among professing Christians? And uh, this particular poll group divides us, the body of Christ, into several broad categories. They divide us up into white evangelical, they divide us up into white and black Protestant, and they divide the body of Christ into Catholic. And then they have another category of, of what we call nowadays the nuns. For those first three, those who are overall the Christians in America, overall nearly 47% of those surveyed say that abortion should be legal in all or most cases. White evangelicals, the lowest group, uh, 21% say that it should be legal. Now, an evangelical is somebody who is a born-again Christian who tends to believe that the Bible is inerrant and perfect uh, like us. Now, uh, Protestants, white and black, 63 to 64% of those demographic groups believe that abortion should be legal. That's almost as high as the national, just in general. And in Catholic, among the Catholic Church, 55%. So most of us, when you, when you see this, you know, when you're presented with this information... You would probably respond by this. I, I've said it many times. I speak up with my vote. I only look to support pro-life candidates. And that's good. That, that is good. But we are living in a time when the so-called silent majority, or some would say even the moral majority has been said, is no longer a majority. 
And our representatives are no longer representing our values. We see that all the time on both sides, on all sides. Voting is an essential for a free society, but it's not your only weapon. Prayer and fasting, both individual and corporately, has always been important. Always. I know statistically it looks like we're in an uphill battle from a political perspective. That does not mean we should just fold our arms and chalk up another victory to the enemy, though, does it? Because that's not what the Bible says. Interesting things are happening, and I think Greg's going to bring that to light as well when he speaks. According to the pro-choice organization, the Guttmacher Institute, individual states, there's about 19 red states, okay, have enacted 106 abortion restrictions so far, abortion restrictions so far in 2021, like the Texas Heartbeat Act, although nothing has been that, uh, thank the Lord, extreme, because it needs to be. But here's what's being said. You guys know clearly that the divide is increasing in our country. Some states are going full throttle to protect and enhance unrestricted abortion. Other states are moving rapidly to restrict abortion. There's a collision course in the making. It looks like both sides are going to come. We're going to see, you know, you notice how the world is moving faster and faster and faster. And we live in a time right now that Roe v. Wade could actually be overturned, despite the intense opposition. But we also live in a time where the Women's Health Protection Act could be the law of the land, and it could mandate unrestricted access to abortion in all 50 states, despite what the states would try to do. Now, despite all the negative statistics and all the politics, we're still a free society. It does not force abortions on women like they do in China. And a recent national study by LifeWay Research indicates something very important. And that is that the father of the unborn child is the number one influence on a woman's decision whether or not to have an abortion. Abortion is evil even though it's legal. And God has a warning for us. Isaiah 5.20 says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Because the church, by and large, is now what we call downstream from the culture. Our culture used to be a Christian nation where, where the church was upstream of the culture and having a very powerful influence on all of culture and society. By and large, in our post-Christian, our post-modern world, in many places, the church is downstream of culture. So whatever culture decides, the church adopts, and it looks like things like wokeness and stuff like that. Many of us who consider themselves to be you know, conservative or moderate, things are happening so fast, we've been caught flat-footed by these cultural issues, and COVID has accelerated that. Abortion is evil, even though it's legal. God has a warning. For one, it goes against the science. Notice how the science has been personified. Whenever you hear a government fish official uh, give you a, a briefing on, say, the COVID instance, for instance, they will say the science like they're talking about some person <laughs> that they've constructed with all these massive PhDs and scholars, this giant the science that they follow. But when you follow the science in this case, you see that it's a baby. It's a baby. It's no longer biologically possible to argue that a preborn child is just a fetus or a clump of cells because modern ultrasonic technology will not allow it. Even at four weeks, a heartbeat can be detected. Abortion is evil even though it's legal. God has given us a warning. Folks, if it's a baby, then abortion is murder. A while back, we were going through, in our midweek, we were going through Exodus, and we were teaching through the Ten Commandments. 
We looked at the ten, uh, one commandment you know, you're familiar with, thou shalt not murder. In other words, thou shalt not commit premeditated murder. And you, you know, it's, the answer really is, why does God prohibit murder? Well, because life is a gift from God, and only he has the authority to take life. Or in the case of capital punishment, to decree its need. That's God's, that's God's world. Why is that? Because you and I were made in God's image, and murder is an attack on God. Protecting life is the responsibility of every member of society. So when we looked at the statistics, you know, you wonder, well, I wonder how, you know, people are always saying, hey, we live in a, a you know, the utopianists would say, hey, the world's getting better. And, and if you look at homicide rates worldwide, it's actually true that the homicide rate is lower now today in 2021 than it was back in the, you know, the dark ages in 1300s. But when you look at the statistics, the, the information that's provided by, like in the United States, the FBI has a big database on homicide. And uh, nowhere do they classify abortion as homicide. And so up to 2018, and, and Greg has a more accurate number, I'm sure, but by 2018, from 1973 to 2018, there were 68 million abortions performed in this country. 68 million murders. 68 million homicides. That would push the murder rate pretty high, wouldn't it? Currently, the highest annual homicide rate in the U.S. is 13 or 14 people per 100,000. But the abortion rate per 100,000 pregnancies is about 1,350 a year. In 2017, there were 862,320 abortions in the United States. Abortions per day are plus 2,362 per day. Abortions per hour are 98. That means one abortion every 37 seconds. Clearly, our society is not protecting innocent life. Warren Wiersbe writes about how new definitions of sin change things. He says, moral standards were destroyed by new definitions of sin. People using God's vocabulary, but not his dictionary. Like today's double speak. This kind of language made it easy to deceive people and avoid a guilty conscience. In today's world, increased taxes are revenue enhancements. And poor people are fiscal underachievers. Or medical malpractice is not the cause of a patient's death. It's a diagnostic misadventure of high magnitude. See, we like to play games with definitions. And what it does is it destroys moral standards. You have to ask yourself the question, with all the social ills that we see in today's world, and, you know, society, you've got homelessness, you've got poverty, you've got hunger, you've got racism, human trafficking, sexual abuse, etc. Why is the federal government and the pro-choice organizations fighting so hard? And they are fighting hard, folks. You saw Senator Schumer stand in front of the Supreme Court a while back, and his rhetoric was just unbelievable, what he had to say. Actually warning the high court how if they were signaling to them how if you ever vote to overturn Roe v. Wade, you better stand by why is it happening? Why are they fighting so hard against the protection of the unborn? Because it's satanic deception. That's why. Yes. Calling evil good. When you spend a couple of hours researching pro-abortion organizations, you'll quickly realize that the entire focus of their agenda is to highlight the reproductive and human rights of the mother whether it's a concern for her physical and psychological health or her economic status. And those are good concerns. On paper, they seem to be trying to use a reasoned approach. But any detailed description of the actual abortion procedure, whether it's surgical dismemberment or actual uh, chemical poisoning of a preborn, takes intellectual reasoning to the level that Paul used 
when he was describing the world of the unsaved, when he's describing the state of a world apart from God. Ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth in unrighteousness. Romans 1.18. They push down the truth. They suppress it in every means possible. And we see that all across the spectrum. So abortion is evil. Abortion is murder. Abortion goes against God's work, the Creator. Not only is it a scientific fact that it's a baby, it's a scriptural fact. Psalm 139, 13 through 16. David marvels and declares God's perfect knowledge of man. You guys have heard this before. He says, For you formed my inward parts. You covered me in my mother's womb. And I will praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Marvelous are your works, and that my soul knows very well. My frame was not hidden from you. When I was made in secret and skillfully wrought in the lowest parts of the earth, your eyes saw my substance. Being yet unformed, and in your book they are all written, the days fashioned for me, when they yet there were none of them. When yet they were none of them. The Lord has seized every single person. Every single person from before they're even you know, born, before they're even conceived in the womb. Notice he says, you formed, God. You covered, God. Your eyes saw my substance, God. You fearfully and wonderfully made. All people are made in his image and his likeness. And we have no right outside of God's decree to simply end lives of preborn children in order to conform to our own reasoning and choices. Abortion is, goes against God's work. Evil societies will fall. Yes, the Lord's love endures forever. His love endures forever for those that love him and know him as Savior. But his patience is running thin. Psalm 82, verses 1 through 8. God stands in the congregation of the mighty. He judges among the gods. How long will you judge unjustly and show partiality to the wicked? Defend the, for, the poor and the fatherless do justice to the afflicted and needy, deliver the poor and needy, free them from the hand of the wicked. They do not know, nor do they understand. They walk about in darkness. All the foundations of the earth are unstable. I said, you are gods. All of you are children of the Most High. But you shall die like men and fall like one of the princes. Arise, O God, judge the earth, for you shall inherit all the nations. God's, God's patience is going to run out. The psalmist is describing the gods of society, the little G gods. These are the judges and the lawmakers. And remember, in a free society, we are responsible as well because we have the freedom to vote. They've forgotten that God is the lawgiver. He's the lawgiver. So God's people, when we ask the question, what are we to do? The next thing we need to do is sometimes we need to relearn, relearn how to do right. Isaiah 117. He says, learn to do good, seek justice, rebuke the oppressor, defend the fatherless, and plead for the widow. Isaiah the prophet was issuing a warning to God's people about false worship and the hypocritical approach that they had to God. They were playing church. They were playing church. And Isaiah offers a simple solution. It's called repentance followed by action. Because true repentance isn't just being feeling remorse or saying that I'm sorry. True repentance is demonstrated by change. In fact, if you're a Christian, you and I, we should live a life of repentance. Because we're always needing to change. We're always needing to come under God's headship and leadership. We have not arrived yet. But by his grace and by his love and mercy and by the power of his word and the Holy Spirit, he will continue to change us. But we have to repent. It's a thing that he calls us to do. Now God's people, you and I have a, have a message of hope because we're broken. We have a message of hope, but we must bring it to light with a humble cry. For each of us, 
God's love, his mercy, and grace are all part of what a believer has for their testimony. Your testimony in Jesus Christ, Romans 3.23, says that all of us have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Perhaps you've had an abortion. Maybe you've encouraged an abortion. Maybe you've funded an abortion. But the Lord has made a way for forgiveness. 1 John 1.9 If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. And I can assure you that we in this church are not going to sit in judgment over anyone because our desire is that all of our lives be continually changed by his word, working through the power of God, the Holy Spirit. We just want to encourage one another that we are people of repentance. Repentance is a way of life. And finally, the gospel is the only hope. We must be faithful to declare the gospel. Social justice alone won't bring the change that God promises. Stopping an abortion through a loving confrontation is good. But it may only delay. Remember, there's four soils that the the Lord talks about. There's four soils in the heart of a person. The rocky, the rough road, the rocky soil, the thorny soil, and the fertile soil. Only a heart of fertile soil will see spiritual change. And that's why God tells us to keep telling, keep saying, keep, keep bringing the good news. Only when lives are truly changed by the gospel of Jesus Christ can we see a true shift in the culture. And that's where we come in. The Apostle Peter gave a spirit-filled sermon in the book of Acts, which he concluded with this exhortation in Acts 2, 38 and 39. He said, then Peter said to them, repent and let every one of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. For the promise is to you and to your children and to all who are afar off, as many as the Lord our God will call. And he's still calling today, 2,000 years later. The world has never been the same since. So we started out this message with a question. What can we, the church, the body of Christ, do to take a stand against the abortion industry? How can we affect change and put an end to legal and increasingly unrestricted, in some areas, abortion in our times? In the weeks leading up to today, we're hearing about our Love Life Adoption Week. Today we've had a message from God's Word about the need to speak up and defend the defenseless. Our need to learn to do what's right. Now it's time to put our faith in motion, folks. Will you join me in a day of prayer and fasting on this Wednesday? Will you even clear your schedule and head out to Raleigh on Saturday morning with us? Join forces with other believers in a prayer walk. Right now, to tell you more about that, I'd like to introduce you to Mr. Greg Stevens of Love Life Raleigh. He's come to speak to us and give a presentation. And I would ask, too, that after he speaks and after we close the service, he has a, a, a table set up in the back. And if you'd like to go visit him and get more information, I would encourage you guys to do that. So let's give a hand from Greg Stevens. Thank you. Good morning. Well, what more needs to be said? When you're in a church that teaches the word... God has spoken. Amen. Well, it is a privilege to be with you guys, to worship with you guys this morning. Um, my son Johnny and I drove out, and this is our first time to Elizabeth City, so it's just a real honor. And uh, thank you, pa- Pastor John, for your word and for inviting us. And um, yeah, I got saved in a Calvary Chapel 21 years ago in Las Vegas. So uh, Calvary Chapel has a, a soft place in my heart. Uh, It's in my DNA, verse by verse, line upon line, Hawaiian t-shirt, flip-flops, and just (laughs) hanging out with Jesus, amen? Um, So, but I just want to come here and encourage you guys in what God is doing. Uh, Regardless of pandemics and politics, God is on the move, amen? And you can probably sense that something is happening in the land, and so... um, I want to be brief, but uh, 
I want to introduce you to the ministry, uh, Love Life. Again, my name is Greg, and I'm a local missionary that's connected with uh, the Love Life ministry uh, that was actually birthed in Charlotte outside of the busiest abortion clinic in the Southeast United States. You know, God is able to take what the enemy means for evil and use it for good. And God chose to give birth to a pro-life movement that is sweeping across the land outside of the busiest abortion clinic in the Southeast United States. So um, I would like to read you um, a thank you card from a mom that I think encapsulates the ministry. Um, and I should probably put my glasses on again because I did cross 40 and you know what happens there. <laughs> this, is, this is from a mom that I met one day outside of an abortion clinic. She was scheduled to get an abortion. And uh, by the grace of God, she stopped. And you know, anytime they stop and roll down their window and give us 10 seconds, it's a miracle. And uh, she changed her mind. And it was awesome. And so we were able to follow up with her. And she says, at just the right ways, at just the right time, you were there. She says, thank you does not seem to suffice. I do not think there is a word in the dictionary that could express my gratitude. At a time when hope seemed lost and when I was broken and ready to give up on my life and destroy another life, you were there. I thank God for you. Thanks for praying me through, loving me through, and blessing me through the most difficult time of my life. Thanks for renewing my faith in Christians and in God. Thank you for walking out the scriptures, Matthew 25, 35 through 36. That's uh, when I was naked, you clothed me. When I was hungry, you fed me. She says, uh, when my daughter is older, I promise to share my testimony with her and tell her all about Greg and your family and your church. So that right there is a souvenir, a trophy of what God is doing, not through love life, but through the local church. Just like you guys. You know, nobody's that go out there to tell anybody about someone that can change anyone. Amen? And so um, Love Life is there uh, as a catalyst, as a mechanism to activate the local churches to participate more actively. It's not a, wing, a political wing. It's a part of the body of Christ. But at the end of the day, it's not about Love Life. It's about the local church adopting and taking responsibility for the deadliest, darkest evil in our land, right? Um, a miracle is taking place. Uh, just a couple weeks ago, I was standing outside on a Saturday morning praying outside of the abortion clinic at Planned Parenthood in Chapel Hill. And we went around and just shared, and there were 12 cities, 10 churches represented that day. Guys, God is doing a miracle. We have people, Bible-believing Christ-centered Christians gathering together, not to hear a fancy speaker, not to hear a nice band, but to pray. And not to pray in the quiet of our own buildings, but to pray outside of the deadliest, darkest, most evil places in our city, feet away from where children are being executed. Guys, that's a miracle. When was the last time you prayed with 12 Christians from 12 different brands and it wasn't a Zoom meeting, right? God is up to something and this is happening across the nation right now. Just to give you an outsider's perspective, this is what God is up to right now. Love Life started in 2016. Uh, you guys will have vision booklets. There's vision booklets on the seats. We pass those out. Basically what I'm sharing is just going to be in that booklet please take it. Um, it's got a little bit of history and some of the facts and stats and things like that. Love Life was started in 2016, just a young businessman that went to pray outside of an abortion clinic with some business friends, and God just opened his eyes. Where's the church? Where's the church? And so he began to pray and seek God, and God began to just give him a simple strategy for how to mobilize local churches uh, to get them active in praying. And so, and you guys are part of that. Since 2016, well, we'll look at those stats, but God has been spreading 
from Charlotte to Raleigh to Greensboro, obviously Elizabeth City. Uh, some of you might have heard, heard what's happening in Southern California. Anybody heard what Jack Hibbs Church, Calvary Chapel, and thousands of people are gathering to pray outside of these abortion centers, and not just that, but are being activated to follow up and, and to serve these moms and, and these dads. So this is an exciting time. Um, again, this is, this is not a movement that's cursing the darkness. This is bringing the light, right? Jesus said, let your, let your light shine before men, right? Not hide it under a bushel. And so you don't turn off the darkness, you just bring out the light. And so that's what these prayer times do. It's an opportunity for us as believers to just bring out the light that God has given us. Um, I want to go through a couple of these slides. So good. You're, you're, you're ahead of me. Awesome. Uh, the mission of Love Life is to unite and mobilize the local churches to create a culture of love and life that will bring an end to the adoption and abortion crisis in our cities, right? So activating, mobilizing, and uniting. Boy, if there's time for division, it's now, right? Everybody's divided over everything. And God is uniting believers that are after his heart, that love the Lord and love people. And he's rallying them together, and he's mobilizing them. And we're shifting the culture so that moms and dads that are pregnant with unplanned pregnancies aren't running from the church to the abortion clinic. They're running from the abortion clinic to the church because there's a church, a community of people uh, ready to embrace them and to receive them and to meet them exactly where they're at. Amen? So that's what God is up to. Uh, you can go to the next slide. Thank you. It's time for us to respond. The church is going to end abortion, not politicians. We, we must vote. We must participate, but we're not going to vote in victory on this, guys. Right? Lukewarm Christianity, patriotism, and a love for right legislation is not going to change our country. We need revival. We need God to awaken and mobilize his people like never before. And that's what I'm seeing take place. I'm seeing these kinds of miracles. No, no, I haven't seen anybody raised from the dead, but I'm seeing dead Christians rising up and being activated, right? I'm not seeing any limbs, paralyzed limbs being healed, but I'm seeing members of the body of Christ being released into their gifts, no longer paralyzed by fear and the fear of man and reputation, right? Nobody's turning water to wine, but a lot of whining Christians have stopped their complaining and they're doing something to change the culture. And I haven't seen anybody walk on water, but I have seen demons trampled by faith-filled prayers from God's people. God is calling us to pray. God wants to move, and you know, and we know, we all know any good movement of the Lord was preceded by prayer. Amen? like you guys started your church service today. So we can't vote this in. The church is called to lead the culture. The politicians and the legislation will follow. Tragic truth of abortion. I appreciate all the statistics Pastor John gave. This is um, going to be a little bit more localized. Well, not quite here, but looking at the tragic truth of abortion, obviously abortion is the leading cause of death of human beings made in the image of God. More than cancer, more than disease, more than drugs, more than accidents, more than cops. Abortion is the leading cause of death of human beings on the planet Earth today. If you have a birthday, you're a survivor. The world has turned the womb of a mother into a war zone. In the United States alone, 17,000 babies are killed weekly. I appreciate that you shared nearly two babies are killed every minute of every day. Abortions are allowed up to birth in some states, one in four women and men. You know, abortion is not just a woman's issue. And oftentimes, if the man will rise up 
We get opportunities to talk. I talked to a young man just this week. His girlfriend was in getting an abortion. He came out. I was able to talk with him, pray with him. And then I showed him a picture of what a nine-week baby looked up, looked like, and he was thoroughly shocked. That's not a blob of tissue, is it? No, that's a baby. That's not a clump, clump of skin cells, is it? No, that's a child. And so he grabbed that picture and ran inside, and his girlfriend still said, no, I'm going to still do it. But he came outside, and I was able to share the gospel with him, and he owned it, and he confessed it, and I pointed him to Jesus. Jesus loves to forgive sin, amen? And we know abortion is not the unforgivable sin, right? Statistically here, one in four women, I mean, that's 25% of men and women have abortion in their past or their present or maybe even their future, hopefully not. That's, that's serious statistics. When they do abortion, uh, when you fill out for your abortions, you have to check the religious box, right? 54% of these women that get abortions check the Christian box. Now, we know that checking the Christian box doesn't make you a Christian, right? You must be born again. But that's a sad commentary on our Christian culture, right? That these women are identifying themselves as Christian. And some of them are within churches that... Um, they just don't ask, they don't tell, they don't bring it up. This is the tragic truth of, uh, of our backyard. You can go ahead and go to the next slide. Thank you. So Love Life is not a ministry of shame and condemnation. It's a ministry of healing and restoration. We all know the stigma, right? We all know what happens when you relate yourself to the abortion ministry or the pro-life ministry, right? If you were to tell someone, hey, I'm involved in a pro-life ministry, we go pray outside of the abortion clinic, you know that picture that's going to pop into their head of the guy or the gal with the biggest sign, the biggest bullhorn, the biggest King James Bible that they're beating on the cars and calling women names, right? That's the stigma. That's the stigma that the enemy has used to paralyze God's people, to paralyze God's people. And I'm not saying that there aren't people out there that do that. Of course, it's public property, right? But we have to have the conviction, look, we can't allow people who do it the wrong way to keep us from doing it the right way, right? If somebody doing it the wrong way keeps me from doing it the right way, I'm not serving the Lord, I'm serving my reputation. I'm protecting my reputation. Um, so we're not out there as whacktivists. We're not protesting. We're praying. We're going to pray. We're not activists. We're not whacktivists. We're not haters, harassers, condemners. We're not doing any of that. We're just simply going to pray. The Bible says if anyone's in Christ, they become a new creation, right? Old things pass away. Behold, all things become new. In John 10.10, 10, Jesus said, it's the thief that has come to steal, kill, and destroy. But there's not a period there, there's a comma. But I have come that what? That they may have life and what? And abundant life. Guys, we've got enough life to share. The Lord has given us enough life to share at a place where death is sold, where death is legal. At the end of the day, when these ladies come in and get an abortion, they're nothing but a name on a receipt to these places. Where else in our cities can you predict the time and the place that broken, hurting people are going to show up and children are scheduled to die? The Lord has put the red carpet out for the mission field. Um, go ahead and go to the next slide. Looking back, this past year through Love Life, over 3,000 babies have been saved. You could change that word babies to families. Families have been saved. This is changing the culture. There's up to a 70% drop in abortions on Wednesdays and Saturdays. So when you pray and fast on this Wednesday, you can see real results on the front lines. One of the clinics in Raleigh's closed on Wednesdays. In Charlotte, they saw a 70% drop in their numbers when the churches began to fast and pray. God was giving visible fruit to encourage his people. 
Uh, 85,000 people have come out to pray, guys, since 2016. 500 partnering churches are working together to mentor, to disciple, to train, to teach, to do sidewalk ministry. Uh, over 500 churches, over 28 abortion workers have left the industry as a result of the prayers and the ministry. So it's obviously, it's not just about the babies and the moms, right? It's about the doctors and the workers. I told you I was at that Planned Parenthood in Chapel Hill. The director of that Planned Parenthood, God got her heart, got her out of there, and now she's speaking on behalf of life. So God is working inside these places as well. And then finally, over 3,000 people have been connected beyond the prayer walk. So the prayer walk is an on-ramp for you to really just see and experience what God is doing. Go ahead and go to the next slide, and I'll land this plane real quick. So prayer obviously is the key. What's this guy talking about prayer? What's, the, what's his message about? It's about prayer, right? Jesus said, I'll give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatever you bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatever you loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. God has given us some influence, some authority, and some victory through prayer. God's granted his people that. What does the Bible say? The, the gates of hell shall not prevail against what? The government? Media? Family? The church. Church is the most powerful thing God has on earth. And God's people aren't stingy. And we lack nothing. All right, let's go to the next slide real quick. So, today is the beginning of your adoption week. You guys have adopted a week as a local church. There's 40 weeks in a year that we do 40 weeks of life where we encourage at least one church to adopt a week because the mission would be that one clinic or one area would have 40 local churches that would have mentors and opportunities for these moms to get plugged in if they choose life. So this is your week to adopt on Sunday is the here. It's here, pray, go and connect. Real simple. You're hearing about the tragic truth of abortion. Hopefully the Holy Spirit's stirring up your heart to say, yes, I, I can get more involved or yes, I got to take the next step. You know, we're all pro-life theoretically, right? But sometimes we got to put feet to our faith. Sometimes that compassion needs to be turned into action. Amen? So this Wednesday, I do want to encourage you to pray and fast if, if you can. You know, Jesus said, hey, there's some, some battles that require prayer and fasting. Amen? So this Wednesday, pray and fast. And then Saturday morning is a local mission trip. Calvary Chapel Elizabeth City has signed up to take a local mission trip of prayer and intercession, Saturday morning. And then finally, from that mission trip, God is going to tug on your heartstrings. And you're going to be like, you know, I, I, I could mentor a mom if she chooses life. Look, you don't want me throwing the baby shower. <laughs> I'm not gifted in that area. Somebody else says, this is an all hands on deck, all parts of the body of Christ. And so this is the adoption week. This is what's taking place this week. Go ahead and um, go to the next slide. So just calling it to action. This is how we know what love is. Jesus Christ laid his life down for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers and sisters, not with words and speech, but with action and in truth, right? This is what separated the good Samaritan from the priest and the Levite. You know, when Jesus was asked, you know, he said, love your neighbor as yourself. And they said, well, well, who's my neighbor? He could have chosen any kind of story to tell people. But Jesus specifically picked a story of violence, of abuse, of a man being beat up and left in a ditch, totally vulnerable. And God's people, the priest and the Levite, just walked by and ignored him. Those who were capable that could have, should have, would have, but didn't. And then you know the Samaritan probably didn't look the part. His theology was probably a little messed up. He actually put feet to his faith. He was a doer of the word. So this is my encouragement to you. Go to, go to the next slide here. We do have a code of conduct, so we're not holding signs. We're not talking to anybody. There's already ministers out there doing sidewalk ministry. So when you show up, we'll meet in a parking lot. 
We'll have an introduction. We'll pray. We'll walk over to a safe location in front of the abortion clinic across the street. There will be sidewalk missionaries working. There will be cars pulling in. And we will be huddled up on an island praying from 9 to 11. That's kind of the time frame. And uh, so, yeah, don't bring your crazy signs, please. <laughs> All right, go ahead and go to, uh, to the next slide. All right, so we're wrapping it up. So in, your, uh, in one of those vision booklets, you'll see a commitment card. If, you're, if you want to fill that out, you can. There's a QR code. You can press the next slide. Um, I think there's a QR code in there. If you just take a picture of that code, uh, it will get you linked up. We just kind of like to know how many numbers are showing up. You can go on to the next one. Uh, if you want to check out any events and anything's, anything that's going on, you can check out uh, all those things on social media. And do I have... Oh, and, yeah, so with social media, this thing has spread like wildfire just through friends inviting friends. Friend, just relational connections. You know, you've got people in your life that if you were to bring this up, some of them are like, no, thank you. And then others are going to lean in like, wait, what did you guys do on Saturday? Well, we went and prayed. Where? Outside the abortion clinic. Well, what was that like? That's, low, that's the low-hanging fruit. <laughs> that's, that's the person that's going to join you there next time. All right? So you've got people in your life that you can share this with. Guys, together we can end abortion. We can see it happen in our generation, but not, that, not just that. We don't just want babies saved. We want moms and dads saved and absorbed into the kingdom of God. Amen? We don't want them just surviving as a parent. We want them thriving as a disciple, and we want to break the back of this thing, this curse on our nation, right? Final slide. I want to quote Francis Schaeffer. Smart old dead Christian. Of course, now he's in glory, but... Francis Schaeffer said this, there needs to be a sign posted in front of every abortion clinic that says, open by permission of the church. This is our time. This is our time to let the light shine. Not curse the darkness, but let the light shine. Amen? So I'll be here if you guys have any questions. We have a table out there. Thank you. I probably went long story of my life. Thank you for your patience. And, and for having us, if you have any questions or concerns or anything, oh, wrap up in prayer because we've got some worship too, right? Amen. Yeah, I want to pray for you guys and gals because sometimes it can be scary, but I want to encourage you. If you come out, if you pray and fast this Wednesday, if you sacrifice some of your time Saturday morning, to come out and pray on a mission trip, I can guarantee you this. You will never say, oh, that was a waste of time. I regret doing that. God will bless it. God will honor it. Father God, thank you so much for this church, for this family of your children, of believers. God, thank you for the word of God that goes forth from this place, the pillar and the ground of truth. Lord, I just pray for my brothers and sisters here this morning that, God, you would replace fear with faith. God, that you would give them great courage and trust. Lord, that their compassion would swallow up any fear at all. I pray, God, that you would mobilize this church and use this church to end abortion here in our state. God, this is our Jerusalem. We can't change Texas and California, but, Lord, this is our state. And so I just pray for my brothers and sisters. I thank you for their willingness to just jump in and trust you. And so, Lord, please fill them with your spirit and courage. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, guys. Thank you very much. Feel free to stand if you're able. If not, you can still stay seated. I've carried a burden for too long on my own. I wasn't created to bear it alone. I 
invitation to let it all go and I see you now I'm laying it down and I know that I need you I run to the Father I fall into grace I'm done with the hiding no reason to wait my heart needs a surgeon, my soul needs a friend. So I run to the Father again and again and again and again. Oh, oh, oh. You saw my condition had a plan from the start your son for redemption the price for my heart I don't have a contest for that kind of love I don't understand I can't comprehend all I know is I need you. I run to the Father, I fall into grace. I'm done with the hiding, no reason to wait. My heart needs a surgeon, my soul needs a friend. So I run to the Father again and again and again and again. Oh, oh, again and again and again and again. Oh, 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 my heart has been in your sight long before my first breath. Running into your arms is running to life from death. And I feel this rush deep in my chest. Your mercy is calling out just as I am. You pull me in and I know I need My heart needs a surgeon, my soul needs a friend So I run to the Father again and again I run to the Father, I fall into grace I'm done with the hiding, no reason to wait Give my heart find the surgeon, my soul find the friend So I run to the Father again and again and again and again Oh, oh, again and again and again and again Oh, 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 again and again this on my heart. I'm going to be super, super brief because something else I have to do after this. This is an article I shared um, the other day, and it was so fitting for the message of today. You can search for this article. It's on Life News. It's, it's, and and the, the, the title reads, Abortionists Who Killed Babies for 45 Years Finally Closes His Abortion Clinic. It's a, it's a long um, read, but I'm not going to read it. The highlight is 
this guy's name is um, Azima, and this, this closing happened on September 3rd, 2021. The people who went out there, they cited prayer as the reason that the abortion clinic closed. And also, they, they lost their lease. They couldn't renew their lease. This happened in Florida. And another interesting thing in this, this um, abortionist, from time to time, I guess he was communicating with the people who was doing the prayer, he made mention about wanting to talk to a pastor and going to church. So keep him, it's Dr. Asma, um, Asma, so keep him in prayer if in fact that was genuine, that he would actually talk to a pastor, start going to church and actually repent of what he did. But his clinic is closed and they cite God's prayer for doing that. 45 years. I was born in 1973, the year Roe v. Wade, 48. So 48 years of my life, these babies were being killed. 45 of this guy's business, years, he was killing babies. And that clinic was closed by prayer. That is the power of God. Thank you for joining us today for Calvary Chapel, Elizabeth City's online sermon series. Join us next week as we continue through the Bible, book by book, verse by verse, line by line. God bless.